1: How many of you are glad to be here this morning? Amen. Amen. How many of you would rather be in the hospital? All right, that's what I like to hear. You know sometimes life gets rough. Have you ever noticed that and uh back in the back in the late sixties, early seventies somewhere in there there was a lady that anybody like country music? I'm a big country music fan. <laughs> there was a lady by the name of Lynn Anderson, and she come out with a song and says. I never promised you a rose garden. And uh, whenever I, they were getting the slides together back there, somebody said, and I think it was Kathy said, who's going to sing that? I guess Lynn Anderson can, and whenever she comes back from the dead, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, as I was studying and preparing for the message this week, I, I was uh, uh, thinking about how once in a while life throws us a curve, and God never promised us that life would be easy. He never did. He never did say, if you will follow me, everything's going to be rosy and everything's going to be smooth. You're not going to have any heartaches. Matter of fact, I find the longer that I follow God, the more that it's just kind of the opposite of that. That we have heartaches, we have sickness, we have sorrow, we have pain. Just like all the rest of the world. Because we live in a world that is filled with pain and sorrow. And the great thing about being a Christian is God helps us to get through the rough part of the rose garden. Because if you've ever have you ever tried to walk through a rose garden? <laughs> if you do, you're going to get stickers all over you. Them thorns are going to get you. And And whenever we walk through life, once in a while, a thorn reaches out and grabs us and causes us pain. But God said, I never promised you that. Matter of fact, if you read and really study, Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to give it peace. Even though we can find peace through Jesus. But the great thing about the title of this message is that very last word. But. And... As, as I read and, and study for, for messages, sermons, and things, I, I love when I'm, I'm reading in the Bible, and then all of a sudden it says, but, because things are about ready to change. There's, there's something that, that is totally, drastically different from what is just said, and God did promise us a few things. Amen? If you have your Bibles turned to uh, the book of John chapter 3, he promised us salvation, what else could you want in life other than salvation? So, I guess you guys don't want salvation. That's better. Somebody said to you, well, i kind of like to have a new Escalade. <laughs> I'd rather have Jesus any day. And I'm a car guy, but I would rather have Jesus than anything else that this old world has. Because this world is temporary. Believe it or not, one of these days, you and I and everybody sitting in this congregation, everybody on the outside of this building is going to die. And that's when things really get real. You say, well, life is real. Yes, it is. But when you die, things get real for eternity. And if you have not had the salvation that Jesus promised us that we could have, then life is really real for you because if you can't go to heaven, there's only one other alternative, one other place that you can go, and that's to a devil's hell. Being alienated from God and being in torment for all eternity... Now, eternity never ends. Never. Ever. We see an end to everything in this life. We we look at things and, and we don't really understand what it means to... What eternity means because everything in our life has an end. But God does not. God doesn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. And he wants you to enjoy the glories of heaven through salvation... That he promised that we could have if we would accept him as your Savior. Now, in this this particular verse, or <coughs> particular passage in the third uh, chapter of John, I think, I think it's really great. And, and we're gonna get down to probably the most uh, remembered verse in all of history. And I'm gonna have somebody quote it, and I want you to quote it exactly the way that I want you to, and I'm sure you won't. But we'll get on down there in just a little bit. <coughs> Now, has anybody ever studied Nicodemus? He was a, a, he was a warrior for God, believe it or not. And if you've never done this, and, and I've never done this until this week, how many of you Google? You all Google? Google Book of Nicodemus and read it. And as I was reading that Book of Nicodemus this week, and... It is more like the... Some people call it the Acts of Pilate. And it was, it's, it's kind of the transcript of, the, of the, uh, 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 the trial of Jesus. And there's some very interesting things in there. And Nicodemus was a very big part of that. But I, I want to get... First of all, I want to I back up to where he probably accepted Jesus Christ. Now, starting in verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews... This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and no one can do the signs that that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and he is and be born? And I always think about how glad mothers are that that doesn't the way it happened. (laughs) It's rough enough having a six or seven or eight pound baby, let alone a two hundred pound one. (laughs) And and whenever I read, every time I read that, I think I bet every woman in the world saying, "Thank you, Lord, for making another way." And verse 5 says, and Jesus answered and said, Moses, surely I say to you, unless there's one who is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there's some controversy about the water, and I I believe it's a physical birth. That's that's the way I believe it. Some people believe it's just what happened to to Carla up here. But I believe that what he's talking about there is, first of all, you have to be a human being. Amen? You have to be born before you can be born again. That, again, means it happens a a second time. And I I really believe that that, uh, Jesus is saying here, since you were born and you are alive now, he said you need to be born again, and you need to be born of the Spirit. You see, we're not just physical, but we are spiritual. Every one of us has a spiritual side. Amen? Amen? we we were created in God's image and God is a triune being and the father the son and the holy ghost and we are body soul and spirit so we're we're like we're that and we have a spirit and this our spirit needs to commune with God's spirit or the holy spirit and if we're going to be born again we have to come and make a confession that yes Jesus died on the cross and yes, I believe he's the son of God. And yes, I'm going to very do my very best to follow him. And yes, I was a sinner. And now I'm saved by grace. You see, that's the only way you're going to get into heaven. Is being born of the spirit. Verse 6 says that which is born of the spirit or that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Most assuredly I say to you we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witnesses. How many of you like to talk? I'm glad my wife's not in here. <laughs> she tells me you talk way too much. And I said I'm a professional talker. That's what they pay me to do. Right? But we talk about things of our interest. Now, I've been here about a year. Just about and I've been coming here just about a year. How many of you think you know me? Really? <laughs> What's my favorite sports team? Why? Because I talk about it once in a while. What's one of my favorite hobbies? Why? How do you know that? Okay. We talk about things that interest us. Am I a born-again believer? How do you know that? We talk about things we know. And when, whenever we are out in the world... Jesus wants us to talk about him, and we have to know him to talk about him, and we have to know what he has done in our life, and we have, to, we have to have this testimony in our own life that we can share with other people. How many of you know that I've been sick once in a while? What was it? Yeah. How do you know? Because I've talked about it, but, and I want you to know that I talk about Jesus, too, amen? Because I know him, and he's my friend. I talk about Rick every once in a while, but I'm not going to go there. (laughs) But he has promised us salvation. And when we have accepted and been born of the Spirit, we should talk about it. The Bible tells us to talk about it. Matter of fact, it tells us to go to the four corners of the world. I don't know where the four corners are on on a, a sphere, but everywhere we go. He wants to talk about us. And he has promised us that. He has promised us that there is a way of salvation. Now, the next thing that he has promised us. Is he has promised us redemption and forgiveness. And I am so glad that he has promised us forgiveness. Because I make mistakes. You make mistakes. I do dumb things. You do dumb things and God in his infinite mercy and love and this is, this is a little bit of Barnesology I think when he looks down on us and we're doing those stupid things he's going boy oh boy look at that he knows better and when we do those things and we ask God to forgive us He says, okay, I forgive you. Let's forget it and move on. Now, Satan keeps throwing that back at us. (laughs) Remember what you've done, and you'll be out somewhere, and and somebody else will walk up to you. Oh, man, I remember when we... (laughs) I'm not going any farther there. And you say, yeah, but I'm a different person now because I'm trying my best to follow Jesus. He gives us forgiveness. And skip down to verse 14 there, and then we're going to go to the book of Numbers a little bit. And it says, and, Mo- and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And as I was reading that verse, I went back to Numbers in, in chapter 20, 21, and we're going to read about three, three or four verses back there. And let me kind of fill you in just a little bit on what happened. Aaron, who was Moses' brother, had just passed away. And his son, Eleazar, had been appointed priest. And they had just defeated the Canaanites in a battle. And (laughs) as typical Baptists are, (laughs) typical Christians are, they seem to forget how good God was yesterday, and begin to focus on their situation of today and complain. Do we have any complainers? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I know who you are. (laughs) Not really. They were wandering around out in the wilderness. God had been feeding them with manna, Every morning when they got up, there was this bread that was laying there. I'm a big bread fan. I love bread and butter or bread and sorghum molasses. Oh, it doesn't get much better than that. Every morning they'd get up, and there would be that bread, that manna there for them. You'd give them quail for a while and different things to eat. But they begin to get tired of it. And begin to complain. Starting with verse 4. It says. Then they journeyed from the Mount Or. By the way of the Red Sea. To go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became discouraged on the way. You ever get discouraged? Yeah I think everyone has. Once in a while it seems like we just. Everything we try fails. So we try something else, and it fails. And before too long, we're saying, I give up. And it happens in churches. Things will happen, and someone will say, I'm, not, I'm never going back there again. I'm not going to do that. And we get discouraged. Just like the children of Israel did here. And verse 5 says, "And And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of the land of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water. And our soul loathes this worthless bread. I'm tired of the same meal over and over and over and over I get tired of eating the same thing I worked with a guy one time worked with him for about 10 years <coughs> and he was diabetic and every day at lunchtime I always eat lunch with him he would open his lunch box and there would be a ham sandwich with just one little bitty thin piece of ham on it and an apple and a piece of angel food cake every day every day the same thing over and over and over. And I said, "Lindell, don't you ever get tired of that? He said, no. He said, it, it it fills me up. And I'm thinking, man, I'd get tired of that in a heartbeat. The only good thing in there was the uh, angel food cake. <laughs> uh, but they were tired of the manna that God had given them. And they said, it, it loathes. We hate it. We're tired of it. And verse 6 says, So the Lord sent fiery serpents among his people, and they bit the people, and some of the people of Israel died. And therefore, since all that happened, or but, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, and we have, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you, and prayed to the Lord that he may take the serpents away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. They weren't happy with the bread that they eat, so God said, Okay, you're not happy with that. I'm going to send you some serpents, and they're going to bite you, and you're going to die. And they said, We don't want that either. I'm sure they were saying, You know, we'd like to have some of that bread back, some of that manna back. But they repented. Then the Lord said to Moses, (coughs) make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be uh, that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. And Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on a pole and so it was if a serpent had bitten someone when he looked at the bronze serpent he lived. Now, I want you to notice something in there that a lot of people overlook. First of all, he didn't take the serpents away. Do you notice that? There's no place in there that said, okay, God, God pulled all the serpents back away. Matter of fact, he said, they're still there. And if they bite you, then look up to the bronze servant and you will live. If you, if you have go through life and life is not going to be changing, believe it or not, even in 2018, life is not going to be changed out there for you because you're really not that special to the world. And you're going to be bitten once in a while. But just as the children of Israel had something to look up to, we do too. Because when Jesus hung on the cross, he done that so when, whenever we're bitten in life, we can look up to him and, and we will live. That was a promise. There, It, it, didn't, it didn't say that, that the bite's gonna, the pain's going to go away, but it says you will live. And we're going to live throughout all eternity if we look to Jesus and say, God, I have sinned. I've made a mistake, Lord. Will you please forgive me and and give your heart to the Lord and uh, go back to that first promise of salvation and you shall live forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen? You see, that's what John was talking about. He said, just as the serpent was lifted up, the Son of Man has to be lifted up too. We have to have something to look up to, and the thing we have to look up to is Jesus Christ and His redemption. Now, one more button, and I'm going to then I'm going to I'm, I'm going to close. Maybe I'm going to have to close. My cough drops gone. But He promised. Everlasting, unconditional love. When you are unlovable, God loves you. When you're making those mistakes and God's sitting up there on his throne, just kind of shaking his head, looking down, he still loves you. When your children do something that disappoints you, you don't stop loving them. Yes, you might be disappointed. But you still love them. And God is the same way. Going back to John chapter 3. Says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. What a promise. What a promise. Now, someone quote John 3, 16 Now, I'm going to teach you something here this morning, because you've all said it. You've all said the words, but you missed a very important point, a very, very important point. I had the privilege of one time uh, uh, (coughs) doing a a recording with a gospel group uh, called Glory Bound years ago, and and (coughs) they let me sing, believe it or not, on one song. And after I sang that song, the 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 guy doing the recording, the engineer, came up to me and he said, you have no feeling in your song. You need to sing with passion, and you need to sing with feeling. So we scrapped that one, and I'd done it again. He said, that's a lot better. And it's the same way when we say John 3.16, if we just say for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish. We're saying it, but we're not saying it with conviction. And the very most important word in that is the third word, which is so. Here's how you should be saying John three sixteen: For God... So love the world. So love the world. Not just love, but so loved the world. And we need to say that with passion. We need to say that with conviction of, of the, the love that God has given us, the love that God has showed us, because I'm going to tell you right now, there is no one, no one in this entire world who would say, I'll let my son die for you. You wouldn't do it. If you're expecting me to do it, you better have good life insurance. Because I'm not giving up my son or my daughter for you. But God did. He loved you so much. Not just a little, but so much. That he gave his only son to die for you. I might give my life for you, but I'm not giving up one of my children for you. And I don't expect you to give up one of your children for me. But God loved you so much. So much. that It's indescribable, the love that he has given us. And you know what? It's unconditional. He loved you when you were lost. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when no one else did. Because you were his creation. And he wants to spend eternity with you. As a parent and grandparent, I love it when the kids are at my house. Doesn't always happen all the time. They're not not all of them there at once. But I love it when they're there. Sometimes it gets a little rowdy. Sometimes it gets a little noisy. And sometimes I'm glad when they're gone. (laughs) When the grandkids were little, they'd leave and Kay and I would sit there at the dining room table and I'd say, listen. She said, I don't hear anything. And I said, that's a good thing. Hmm. But God wants to spend eternity with you. And he has promised that there is a way. He has promised that through salvation you could spend eternity with him. It's not required to be a member of uh, Temple Baptist Church to get to heaven. It's not required for a lot of things. But one thing is required is God has saved you and you have accepted the love that his son showed on Calvary's cross. No, you don't have to be a member of Temple Baptist Church. I, I highly recommend it that we come and worship together. It will strengthen you and make your walk through this life easier. It will pull some of the thorns out of you whenever you walk through the rose garden. If you have someone of like faith and order, that you can fellowship with it's that simple you see jesus paid the price for salvation you don't have to his unconditional love has provided a way of salvation do you know jesus as your savior is the pending question this morning Maybe you know Jesus as your Savior, you've accepted Him, and you need to join this church or come for baptism, or you just need to come and pray. Whatever reason, this altar is open. Would you stand with me, please?
0: As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.